Section seven of London Labour and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew. Volume one. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Yearsley. The Street Folk, Part seven. Of the slang, weights and measures. All counterfeit weights and measures, the costermongers call by the appropriate name of slang. There are not half so many slangs as there was eighteen months ago, said a general dealer to me. You see, sir, the letters in the morning chronicle set people a-talking, and some altered their way of business. Some was very angry at what was said in the articles on the street sellers, and swore that Costas was gentlemen, and that they'd smash the men's noses that had told you, sir, if they knew who they were. There's plenty of costers wouldn't use slangs at all if people would give a fair price. But you see, the boys will try it on for their bunts. And how is a man to sell fine cherries at fourpence a pound that cost him threepence halfpenny, when there's a kid alongside of him a-selling his toll at twopence a pound, and singing it out as bold as brass? So the men slangs it, and cries twopence a pound, and gives half-pound, as the boy does, which brings it to the same thing. We doesn't adulterate our goods like the tradesmen, that is, the regular hands doesn't. It wouldn't be easy, as you say, to adulterate cabbages or oysters, but we deals fair to all that's fair to us, and that's more than many a tradesman does for all their juries. The slang court is a pint and a half. It is made precisely like the proper court, and the maker, I was told, knows well enough what it's for, as it's charged, new, sixpence more than a true court measure but it's nothing to him as he says what it's for so long as he gets his price the slang court is let out at twopence a day a penny extra being charged for the risk the slang pint holds in some cases three-fourths of the just quantity having a very thick bottom others hold only half a pint having a false bottom halfway up these are used chiefly in measuring nuts of which the proper quantity is hardly ever given to the purchaser. But then, it was often said, or implied to me, the price is all the lower, and people just brings it on themselves by wanting things for next to nothing. So it's all right, it's people's own faults. The hire of the slang pint is twopence a day. The scales used are almost all true, but the weights are often beaten out flat to look large and are four, five, six, or even seven ounces deficient in a pound, and in the same relative proportion with other weights. The charge is twopence, threepence, and fourpence a day for a pair of scales and a set of slang weights. The wooden measures, such as pecks, half-pecks, and quarter-pecks, are not let out slang, but the bottoms are taken out by the costers, and put in again half an inch or so higher up. I call this said a humorous dealer to me, slop-work or the cutting system. One candid costermonger expressed his perfect contempt of slangs as fit only for bunglers, as he could always work slang with a true measure. Why, I can cheat any man, he said. I can manage to measure muscles, so as you'd think you got a lot over. But there's a lot under measure, for I holds them up with my fingers and keep crying, muscles full measure live muscles i can do the same with peas i delight to do it with stingy aristocrats we don't work slang in the city people know what they're a-buying on there there's plenty of us would pay for an inspector of weights 
i would we might do fair without an inspector and make as much if we only agreed one with another in conclusion it is but just i should add that there seems to be a strong disposition on the part of the more enlightened of the class to adopt the use of fair weights and measures and that even among the less scrupulous portion of the body short allowance seems to be given chiefly from a desire to be even with a scaly customer the coster makes it a rule never to refuse an offer and if people will give him less than what he considers his proper price why he gives them less than their proper quantity as a proof of the growing honesty among this class many of the better disposed have recently formed themselves into a society the members of which are one and all pledged not only to deal fairly with their customers but to compel all other street sellers to do the same with a view of distinguishing themselves to the public they have come to the resolution of wearing a medal on which shall be engraved a particular number so that should any imposition be practised by any of their body the public will have the opportunity of complaining to the committee of the association and having the individual if guilty immediately expelled from the society of half profits besides the modes of trading on borrowed capital above described there is still another means of obtaining stock prevalent among the london costermongers it is a common practice with some of the more provident costermongers who buy more largely for the sake of buying cheaply than is required for the supply of their own customers to place goods in the hands of young men who are unable to buy goods on their own account on half profits as it is called the man adopting this means of doing a more extensive business says to any poor fellow willing to work on those terms here's a barrow of vegetables to carry round and the profit on them will be two shillings you sell them and half is for yourself the man sells them accordingly if however he fail to realize the two shillings anticipated profit his employer must still be paid one shilling even if the seller prove that only thirteen pence was cleared so that the costermonger capitalist as he may be described is always to use the words of one of my informants on the profitable side of the hedge boys are less frequently employed on half profits than young men and i am assured that instances of these young men wronging their employers are hardly ever known of the boys of the costermongers and their bunts but there are still other agents among the costermongers and these are the boys deputed to sell a man's goods for a certain sum all over that amount being the boy's profit or bunts almost every costermonger who trades through the streets with his barrow is accompanied by a boy the ages of these lads vary from ten to sixteen there are few above sixteen for the lads think it is then high time for them to start on their own account these boys are useful to the man in calling their shrill voices being often more audible than the loudest pitch of an adult's lungs many persons moreover i am assured prefer buying of a boy believing that if the lad did not succeed in selling his goods he would be knocked about when he got home others think that they are safer in a boy's hands and less likely to be cheated these however are equally mistaken notions the boys also are useful in pushing at the barrow or in drawing it along by tugging at a rope in front some of them are the sons of the costermongers 
some go round to the costermonger's abodes and say will you want me to-morrow shall i come and give you a lift the parents of the lads thus at large are when they have parents either unable to support them or if able prefer putting their money to other uses such as drinking and so the lads have to look out for themselves or as they say pick up a few halfpence and a bit of grub as we can such lads however are the smallest class of costermongering youths and are sometimes called casualty boys or nippers the boys and and nearly the whole of them soon become very quick and grow masters of slang in from six weeks to two or three months i suppose said one man familiar with their character they'd learn french as soon if they was thrown into the way of it they must learn slang to live and as they have to wait at markets every now and then from one hour to six they associate one with another and carry on conversations in slang about the penny gaffs theatres criticising the actors or maybe they toss the pieman if they've got any halfpence or else they chaff the passers-by the older ones may talk about their sweethearts but they always speak of them by the name of namau note girls end note the boys are severe critics too continued my informant on dancing i heard one say to another what do you think of johnny millicent's new step for they always recognize a new step or they discuss the female dancer's legs and not very decently at other times the boys discuss the merits or demerits of their masters as to who feeds them best i've heard one say oh ain't bob stingy we have bread and cheese another added we have steak and beer and i've the use of bills the masters backy box some of these lads are paid by the day generally from tuppence or threepence and their food and as much fruit as they think fit to eat as by that they soon get sick of it they generally carry home fruit in their pockets for their playmates or brothers or sisters the costermongers allow this if they are satisfied that the pocketing is not for sale some lads are engaged by the week having from one shilling to one shilling and sixpence and their food when out with their employer their lodging is found only in a few cases and then they sleep in the same room with their master and mistress of master and mistress however they never speak but of jack and bet they behave respectfully to the women who are generally kind to them they soon desert a very surly or stingy master though such a fellow could get fifty boys next day if he wanted them but not lads used to the trade for to these he's well known by their talk one with another and they soon tell a man his character very plainly very plainly indeed sir and to his face too said one some of these boys are well beaten by their employers this they put up with readily enough if they experience kindness at the hands of the man's wife for as i said before parties that have never thought of marriage if they live together call one another husbands and wives in working the country these lads are put on the same footing as their masters with whom they eat drink and sleep but they do not gamble with them a few however go out and tempt country boys to gamble and as an almost inevitable consequence to lose some of the boys said one who had seen it often will keep a number of countrymen in a beer shop in a roar for the hour while the countrymen ply them with beer and some of the street lads can drink a good deal i've known three bits of boys order a pot of beer each one after the other each paying his share 
and a quartern of gin each after that drunk neat they don't understand water drink doesn't seem to affect them as it does men i don't know why some costermongers said another informant have been known when they've taken a fancy to a boy i know of two to dress him out like themselves silk handkerchiefs and all for if they didn't find them with silk handkerchiefs the boy would soon get them out of their bunts they like silk handkerchiefs for if they lose all their money gambling they can then pledge their handkerchiefs i have mentioned the term bunts bunts is the money made by the boys in this manner if a costermonger after having sold a sufficiency has two shillings or three shillings worth of goods left and is anxious to get home he says to the boy work these streets and bring me two shillings and sixpence for the toll note lot end note which the costermonger knows by his eye for he seldom measures or counts is easily worth that money the lad then proceeds to sell the things entrusted to him and often shows great ingenuity in so doing if for instance turnips be tied up in penny bunches the lad will open some of them so as to spread them out to nearly twice their previous size and if any one ask if that be a penneth he will say here's a larger for a penny halfpenny ma'am and so palm off a penny bunch at a penny halfpenny out of each bunch of onions he takes one or two and makes an extra bunch all that the lad can make in this way over the half crown is his own and called bunts boys have made from sixpence to one shilling and sixpence bunts and this day after day many of them will in the course of their traffic beg old boots or shoes if they meet with better sorts of people and so work it to rights as they call it among themselves servants often give them cast-off clothes it is seldom that a boy carries home less than the stipulated sum the above is understood as fair bunts unfair bunts is what the lad might make unknown to his master as if a customer called from the area for goods cried at tuppence the lad may get tuppence halfpenny by pretending what he had carried was a superior sort to that called at tuppence or by any similar trick i've known some civil and industrious boys said a costermonger to me get to save a few shillings and in six months start with a shallow and so rise to a donkey cart the greatest drawback to struggling boys is their sleeping in low lodging-houses where they are frequently robbed or trepanned to part with their money or else they get corrupted some men employ from four to twelve boys sending them out with shallows and barrows the boys bringing home the proceeds the men who send lads out in this way count the things and can tell to a penny what can be realized on them they neither pay nor treat the boys well i am told and are looked upon by the other costermongers as extortioners or unfair dealers making money by trading on poor lads necessities who serve them to avoid starvation these men are called scurfs if the boys working for them make bunts or are suspected of making bunts there is generally a row about it the bunts is for the most part the gambling money as well as the money for the penny gaff the tuppenny hop the tobacco and the pudding money of the boys more would save their wages and their bunts was said to me on good authority but they have no place to keep their money in and don't understand anything about savings banks many of these lads are looked on with suspicion by the police and treated like suspected folks but in my opinion they're not thieves or they wouldn't work so hard 
for a thief's is a much easier life than a costermonger's. When a boy begins business on his own account, or sets up, as they call it, he purchases a shallow, which costs at least one shilling, and a half hundred of herrings, one shilling and sixpence. By the sale of the herrings he will clear one shilling, going the round he has been accustomed to, and then trade on the two shillings and sixpence. Or, if it be fruit time, he will trade in apples, until master of five shillings, and then take to a barrow, at threepence a day higher. By this system, the ranks of the costermongers are not only recruited, but increased. There is one grand characteristic of these lads. I heard on all hands they are, every one of them, what the costers call wide awake. There are, I am assured, from two hundred to three hundred costers, who, in the busier times of the year, send out four youths or lads each, on an average. The young men thus sent out generally live with the costermonger, paying seven shillings a week for board, lodging, and washing. Those youths, I was told by one who knew them well, were people who didn't care to work for themselves, because they couldn't keep their money together. It would soon all go, and they must keep it together for their masters. They're not fed badly, but then they make bunts sometimes, and it goes for grub when they're out, so they eat less at home. Of the juvenile trading of the costermongers, my inquiries among the costermongers induced one of their number to address me by letter. My correspondent, a well-informed and well-educated man, describes himself as being one of those that have been unfortunately thrust into that precarious way of obtaining a living, not by choice but circumstances. The writer then proceeds to say, No person but those actually connected with the streets can tell the exertion, anxiety and difficulties we have to undergo and I know for a fact it induces a great many to drink that would not do so, only to give them a stimulant to bear up against the troubles that they have to contend with, and so it ultimately becomes habitual. I could point out many instances of the kind. My chief object in addressing you is to give my humble suggestion as to the best means of alleviating our present position in society, and establishing us in the eyes of the public as a respectable body of men honestly endeavouring to support our families, without becoming chargeable in the parish, and to show that we are not all the degraded class we are at present thought to be, subject to the decision of every passer-by, and all looked upon as extortioners and the confederates of thieves. It is grievous to see children, as soon as they are able to speak, thrust into the streets to sell, and in many instances, I am sorry to state, to support their parents. Kind sir, picture to yourself a group of those children mixing together indiscriminately, the good with the bad, all uneducated, and without the parental care which is so essential for youth, and judge for yourself the result. The lads in some instances take to thieving, this being easier for a living, and the girls to prostitution, and so they pass the greater part of their time in jail, or get transported. Even those who are honestly disposed cannot have a chance of bettering their condition, in consequence of their being uneducated, so that they often turn out brutal husbands and bad fathers. Surely, sir, government could abolish in a measure this juvenile trading, so conducive to crime and so injurious to the shopkeeper, who is highly rated. How is it possible, if children congregate around his door with the very articles he may deal in, that he can meet the demands for rates and taxes? whereas the educated man, brought by want to sell in the streets, 
would not do so but keep himself apart from the shopkeeper and not merit his enmity and the interference of the police which he necessarily claims i have procured an existence with a few years exception in the streets for the last twenty-five years as a general salesman of perishable and imperishable articles and should be most happy to see anything done for the benefit of my class this juvenile trading i consider the root of the evil after the removal of this the costermongers might by classifying and cooperation render themselves comparatively happy in their position and become acknowledged members of society another costermonger in conversing with me concerning these young traders said that many of them would ape the vices of men mere urchins would simulate drunkenness or boast with many an exaggeration of their drinking feats they can get as much as they please at the public houses and this too i may add despite the forty-third clause in the police act which enacts that every person licensed to deal in excisable liquors within the said metropolitan police district who shall knowingly supply any sort of distilled excisable liquor to be drunk upon the premises to any boy or girl apparently under the age of sixteen years shall be liable to a penalty of not more than twenty shillings and upon a second conviction to forty shillings penalty and on a third to five pounds of the education of the coster lads among the costers the term education is as i have already intimated merely understood as meaning a complete knowledge of the art of buying in the cheapest market and selling in the dearest there are few lads whose training extends beyond this the father is the tutor who takes the boy to the different markets instructs him in the art of buying and when the youth is perfect on this point the parent's duty is supposed to have been performed nearly all these boys are remarkable for their precocious sharpness to use the words of one of the class these young ones are as sharp as terriers and learns every dodge of business in less than half no time there's one i knows about three feet high that's up to the business as clever as a man of thirty though he's only twelve years old he'll chaff down a peeler so uncommon severe that the only way to stop him is to take him in charge it is idle to imagine that these lads possessed of a mental acuteness almost wonderful will not educate themselves in vice if we neglect to train them to virtue at their youthful age the power of acquiring knowledge is the strongest and some kind of education is continually going on if they are not taught by others they will form their own characters developing habits of dissipation and educing all the grossest passions of their natures and learning to indulge in the gratification of every appetite without the least restraint as soon as a boy is old enough to shout well and loudly his father takes him into the streets some of these youths are not above seven years of age and it is calculated that not more than one in a hundred has ever been to a school of any kind the boy walks with the barrow or guides the donkey shouting by turns with the father who when the goods are sold will as a reward let him ride home on the tray the lad attends all markets with his father who teaches him his business and shows him his tricks of trade for said acosta a governor in our line leaves the knowledge of all his dodges to his son just as the rich coves do their kin the life of a costa boy is a very hard one in summer he will have to be up by four o'clock in the morning and in winter he is never in bed after six 
when he has returned from market it is generally his duty to wash the goods and help dress the barrow about nine he begins his day's work shouting whilst the father pushes and as very often the man has lost his voice this share of the labour is left entirely to him when a costa has regular customers the vegetables or fish are all sold by twelve o'clock and in many costa families the lad is then packed off with fruit to hawk in the streets when the work is over the father will perhaps take the boy to a public house with him and give him part of his beer sometimes a child of four or five is taken to the tap-room especially if he be pretty and the father proud of him i have seen said acosta to me a baby of five year old reeling drunk in a tap-room his governor did it for the lark of the thing to see him chuck himself about silly-fied like the love of gambling soon seizes upon the costa boy youths of about twelve or so will as soon as they can get away from work go to a public house and play cribbage for pints of beer or for a pint a corner they generally continue playing till about midnight and rarely except on a sunday keep it up all night it ordinarily happens that when a lad is about thirteen he quarrels with his father and gets turned away from home then he is forced to start for himself he knows where he can borrow stock money and get his barrow for he is as well acquainted with the markets as the oldest hand at the business and children may often be seen in the streets underselling their parents how's it possible said a woman for people to live when there's their own son at the end of the court a-calling his goods as cheap again as we can afford to sell our if the boy is lucky in trade his next want is to get a girl to keep home for him i was assured that it is not at all uncommon for a lad of fifteen to be living with a girl of the same age as man and wife it creates no disgust among his class but seems rather to give him a position among such people their courtship does not take long when once the mate has been fixed upon the girl is invited to raffles and treated to tuppenny hops and half pints of beer perhaps a silk neck handkerchief a king's man is given as a present though some of the lads will when the arrangement has been made take the gift back again and wear it themselves the boys are very jealous and if once made angry behave with great brutality to the offending girl a young fellow of about sixteen told me as he seemed to grow angry at the very thought if i seed my gal talking to another chap i'd fetch her such a punch of the nose as would plaguey quick stop the whole business another lad informed me with a knowing look that the girls it was a rum thing now he come to think of it actually liked a feller for walloping them as long as the bruises hurted she was always thinking on the cove as give them her after a time if the girl continues faithful the young costa may marry her but this is rarely the case and many live with their girls until they have grown to be men or perhaps they may quarrel the very first year and have a fight and part these boys hate any continuous work so strong is this objection to continuity that they cannot even remain selling the same article for more than a week together moreover none of them can be got to keep stalls they must be perpetually on the move or to use their own words they like a moving life they all of them delight in dressing flash as they call it if a governor was to try and 
palm off his old cord jacket upon the lad that worked with him the boy wouldn't take it it's too big and seedy for me he'd say and i ain't gonna take your leavings they try to dress like the men with large pockets in their cord jackets and plenty of them their trousers too must fit tight at the knee and their boots they like as good as possible a good king's man a plush skull-cap and a seam down the trousers are the great points of ambition with the coster boys a lad about fourteen informed me that brass buttons like a huntsman's with foxes heads on em looked stunning flash and the girls liked em as for the hair they say it ought to be long in front and done in figure six curls or twisted back to the ear newgate knocker style but the worst of it is they add that it is always getting cut off in quad all along of muzzling the bobbies the whole of the costa boys are fond of good living i was told that when a lad started for himself he would for the first week or so live almost entirely on cakes and nuts when settled in business they always manage to have what they call a relish for breakfast and tea a couple of herrings or a bit of bacon or what not many of them never dine excepting on the sunday the pony and donkey proprietors being the only costers whose incomes will permit them to indulge in a fourpenny plate of meat at a cook-shop the whole of the boys too are extremely fond of pudding and should the plum duff at an eating-house contain an unusual quantity of plums the news soon spreads and the boys then endeavour to work that way so as to obtain a slice while waiting for a market the lads will very often spend a shilling in the cakes and three-cornered puffs sold by the jews the owners toss for them and so enable the young coster to indulge his two favourite passions at the same time his love of pastry and his love of gambling the jews crisp butter biscuits also rank very high with the boys who declare that they slip down like soapsuds down a gully hole in fact it is curious to notice how perfectly unrestrained are the passions and appetites of these youths the only thoughts that trouble them are for their girls their eating and their gambling beyond the love of self they have no tie that binds them to existence end of section seven